From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Thursday, October 14th. Moab City is looking to raise sanitary sewer rates before the end of the year. According to city staff, they need more money for maintenance in order to avoid failures in the system. We're having the discussion because revenues aren't matching and we're trying to avoid critical failure of the system. And we're we're at that situation where if we don't raise rates, we will see critical failure. Acting City Manager Carly Castle, she and other staff say the situation has become intense. We do have uh, breaks regularly. Moab City Engineer Chuck Williams says well over half of the city's sewer system, the actual pipes themselves are over 50 years old. And much of it is concrete, which he says breaks down easily in the presence of hydrogen sulfide, which is plentiful in Moab. We've replaced about 577 feet per year. And that's about 0.3% of our total system. We should be replacing on a 60-year schedule for the amount of pipe we have about 1.7% per year or about 3,000 feet of pipe every year. And right now, he says there's not enough money being generated from sewer rates to actually meet those pressing needs. Aaron Montgomery is a financial analyst at Zion's Public Finance. He told the council this week that without a rate increase in 2022... It puts the city kind of in a, a red area. And so that's kind of the meat of the sandwich, huh? Mayor Emily Niehaus. Moab's council last approved a sewer rate increase back in 2017. Engineering firm Bowen Collins & Associates helped Moab City decide on those rates. Back then, Bowen Collins projected more development, more growth in Moab City, meaning more revenue to pay for maintenance and capital projects. But a few things happened. The city council stopped hotel development in 2019 with an overnight accommodations moratorium. This cut impact fee revenue. Then new hookups, like potential growth from San Juan County, has been slower than projected. And then there's the new high inflation rates, especially when it comes to construction costs. Keith Larson from Bone Collins. We have uh, higher than expected costs and essentially lower than expected revenues, which is, you know, a double whammy for us in terms of what we're what we're trying to accomplish. Moab City staff has identified millions of dollars of necessary capital improvement costs on the horizon. The council is in agreement that they do need to raise sewer rates to meet these needs. But the question now is by how much? They plan to discuss that at their next city council meeting in October. City council member Karen Guzman-Newton. You know, it seems like this is important and we need to get kind of a move on it. It seems that... uh, I mean, these rate increases are going to happen in 2022. Regardless, we have to do something. City council members said they would like to vote on the new rates before the end of the year. The Jackson Hole real estate market reported more than $1.8 billion in sales in the first half of 2021. It's a record-breaking rise in activity, similar to the experience of many other so-called gateway communities across the West. For KHOL and Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Will Walkie reports on a new program that's trying to capitalize on that money flow with a goal of investing it back into affordable housing projects. 
Meg Daly, whom we should note is a former KHOL reporter, grew up in Jackson Hole in what she describes as a middle-class lifestyle. She remembers Wilson being full of hippies and cowboys. So my family moved to Jackson from Salt Lake City in 1977, I think. Uh, Let's see, and we lived in this log cabin at the end of Wenzel Lane, which is a very fancy property now and at the time was not at all. I mean, we had like earwigs crawling out of the chinking in our log cabin and it was, I mean, it was fine. It was a home. After a stint in Portland, Daly moved back home and was able to buy her own place in Rafter J. So I'm 52. What's happened in my lifespan and what, you know, younger people are facing now is that it's just owning a home has become more prohibitive. Daly says the log cabin she grew up in was worth $150,000 in 1984. Now, every lot on Wenzel Lane is worth at least $1 million, according to Zillow. In fact, the median sale price in Jackson Hole was over $1.6 million in the second quarter of 2021, a 28% increase from last year, according to a recent market report. These are figures Daly knows well. I've had friends and family, you know, benefit from the affordable housing program here and also like suffer because of our crazy real estate market. Daly's moving on to Bend, Oregon this year, looking for a bigger community and milder winters. She's also cashing in from the timing of selling her home, as she's heard many other locals have done during the pandemic. But Daly is also donating $5,000 from the sale to a new community housing fund, which launched this month. That felt like an amount that would be meaningful, um, substantial enough that if pooled with other people's money could help the housing trust and help housing effort here, and then also be manageable within our financial world. The Community Housing Fund is a new nonprofit designed to solicit donations from every real estate transaction in Jackson Hole. It was spearheaded by local realtor Devin Veeman. The goal of the program is to have realtors contributing at every transaction. So whether it's a big amount or a small amount, depending on the size of the deal, Uh, We just really want to create the culture that we're giving back something at every transaction and also invite our buyers and sellers to participate with us. Starting in late September, when a deal is closed on a home, the buyer, seller, and real estate agent all get prompts asking them if they'd like to donate to affordable housing projects around the valley. Veeman says it's an easy way for people to give back in a simple, discreet, and yes, tax-deductible way. You know, I get the question quite frequently from wealthy second, third, fourth, fifth homeowners coming here, how can I participate in the community right now? And it's, I shouldn't say it's a great segue because it's unfortunate that it's happening, but they are actually feeling the constraints of it now. Their favorite restaurants aren't open seven days a week. The services that they want, that they moved here for, they're not always open. So it kind of is a doorway for us to say, hey, it's a a housing issue and you're going to start to feel some of these things. And so here's how you can participate right now. 22 local realtors kicked the fund off by donating a combined $150,000 to help build 24 condos in Jackson through the local Affordable Housing Trust. That's another nonprofit led by Executive Director Ann Cresswell. What our hope is, is that We will increase participants over time. We will increase the total number of gifts that go to support the creation of new affordable housing and that people will make a gift that's meaningful to them. One aspect of the program is there's no minimum amount required to contribute. So Cresswell is left hoping that folks making mammoth transactions, i.e. the ultra wealthy, will pony up. 
Well, I think what's unique about how this fund is structured is that it's an umbrella organization. The structure and the infrastructure exists with title and escrow, support from the title and escrow agencies and companies. That's what makes the giving so simple and so streamlined. It's not a perfect system, and several Jackson elected officials have pointed out that the volunteer fund won't single-handedly solve the issue of housing affordability in the Valley. A mandatory real estate transfer tax, for example, would likely raise more revenue to the tune of more than $100 million annually, according to recent proposed legislation, compared to hundreds of thousands. But Cresswell says that kind of tax isn't likely to get passed anytime soon. I have been working on affordable housing in Jackson for 18 years, and for at least 18 years, this community has been talking about a real estate transfer tax, and it is not within the control of this community. It, it has to happen at the statewide level. And this is something that we can do irrespective of the state and get this moving and get this rolling forward. For Daly, doing what she can to help right now also meant selling to another local whom she grew up with. We didn't want to just be leaving, you know, this kind of empty shell of a house. We love our community here. So this felt like a way to maybe help that continue here. The question remains, how many other volunteer donors will join Daly moving forward? Will Walkie, KHOL News. This story is part of a collaboration between the Solutions Journalism Network and Rocky Mountain Community Radio, highlighting affordable housing solutions across the Mountain West. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, October 14th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.